0: but it doesn't feel quite the same. Where have the people gone? Seems like there's no one hanging on.
1: Cut, up, cut out, cut out, cut out, cut out,
0: What is this cut out, Tom? Oh. In 2020-21, the people may be cutouts, but there are still games, yeah. and there are still tailgate shows, they're still broadcast, and through it all, there is still the Joe Beaver Show a place to gather at proper distances to talk about it all, to talk about what we do have. And it looks like we're ready to give it one more try. So, such as it is, we're ready to give it one more try with John and Mike and the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio.
2: Good morning, everybody. At the end of the week, Joe Beaver Show, Mike Parker with John Warren and a busy show we're guest laden may even add one more if we what? can sneak him in yeah i know i've already given you the lineup and you're very surprised
3: how are you going to do that how well if gonna... i would
2: sneak him in around 11 45 but i doubt it i think we'll wait but joan bonvicini
3: do we get to know who that might have been <laughs> well <laughs> mystery <laughs> guests yes. sign in please. enter
2: and sign in
3: please
2: <laughs> hall of famer joan Bonvicini will join us from uh, the University of Arizona Hall of Fame, the Southern Connecticut State University, uh, New England Hall of Fame, Long Beach State Hall of Fame, a Hall of Famer yeah. in so many respects and somebody you have had contact with. And I want to get that story in a moment. But the lineup will feature Coach Vicini, who will be working the game alongside Brian Weber on the Pac-12 Networks Sunday afternoon when the Beavers resume. Uh, their women's basketball season. Ron Callen will have the call right here on 1240 Joe Radio. But I'm really interested to visit with Coach Bonvicini. something I've never done, you have. She'll join us here in a few minutes. At 12.05, Dominic Cusimano joined by Michaela Pivick. They will join us together, uh, occupying the lines, the Downward Dog sports lines, to visit with us about a new approach, but the continuation, even with a little bit of a different approach, same type of spirit behind it, but at an hour from now, we'll visit with Michaela and Dominic. Selfless Servings was Michaela Pivick's idea she created. Uh, it was her, her heart uh, to create the Selfless Servings initiative, and she's going to perhaps continue to be involved, but has had a, a great team of people behind the scenes helping her as she's been plying her craft professionally in Spain. Returned a few weeks ago from her foray into pro ball in Spain. We'll talk to her about that and what's next for her on the basketball front. But Michaela is, in a sense, giving over uh, her uh, labor of love and has had plenty of help from others. But now Dominic Kuzumano, with his wife Barb and Linda Whiteman, Sue Sun Wong, Amanda Tran, and others are going to be, I think, take more hands-on. We'll find out from Dominic, and Michaela will join us together at 12:05. Yeah. So it'll be a, a an opportunity to talk about what Selfless Servings has been doing, what they hope to continue to do, and maybe even add on to what they've been doing. So they will join us at 12:05, and we'll certainly talk plenty of basketball with Michaela what's next for her, what life was like in Spain in the 15 games she competed there. So she will join us along with Dominic. And then at 1230, to wrap up the show again on a a heavy guest front today, Bill Kruger. Looking forward to visiting with Bill on a number of things. The original intent upon the passing of the legendary Tommy Lasorda, I think I mentioned, Johnny, that I was canvassing my brain, doesn't take long to do that, but I was, and (laughs) thinking, okay, who do I know? Who do I know? Do I know anybody that might have competed for Tommy at any point? And I thought of a couple of folks that, that did, but I knew I didn't have any contact information. So I thought, okay, let's narrow the category to who might have competed for Tommy whose phone number I have? And that that came down to one person, namely Bill Kruger. And Bill's level of uh, when I competed for Tommy, yes, he did. He pitched three games for the Los Angeles Dodgers, but that's enough time to be in a dugout, to be in a bullpen, right. to have some sense of, of Tommy... Uh, the legendary leader of the Dodgers, Bill, pitched parts of 87 and 88 with the L.A. Dodgers and then had his better days. He, he broke in in the major leagues in 1983 with the Oakland A's and ended up having some really good years, winning 10 games from Minnesota in 92. His best year, perhaps, was with the Mariners in 91, winning 11 games. And his final win was in what turned out to be the Mariners' 95 season, Mm -hmm. pitching for the Mariners, winning where his major league career had all started at the Oakland Coliseum, beating the Oakland A's in August of that year, when the Mariners later that month began to make their unforgettable move. Now, Bill was not part of the postseason roster, unfortunately, but I'm sure he derived uh, some monies, you know, sure. extra postseason, you know, getting a share for of all of the that roster. for being on the roster and contributing to the team that year. But the thing about Bill, that's even you know, that in itself. If he were from Dubuque you know, or Peoria, Illinois, he the, he would be an interesting person to talk to just by virtue of having pitched in the major leagues. Sure. And, but he went to McMinnville High School, class of 75, teammates with Pat Casey, a four-year starter and a three-year captain on the basketball team on the bluff for Jack Avina, played a little bit of baseball, pitched. I think he pitched like two or three innings. Of-
3: so he's predominantly basketball at the yeah. and then, yes. and then how does he get into Major League Baseball?
2: We have talked to him about that a couple—he's joined us off and on yeah. through the years yeah. because since his Major League Baseball career ended in 96— he has been a broadcaster, so he's done some Oregon State basketball games, and we've talked to him a couple of times through the years. And he has been involved with Mariners broadcast, I believe, since since 96, mm. in some form or another, and still involved in the pre- and post-game stuff uh, for Root Sports and is still involved in in Mariners broadcast and has been for a long time and does a great job. Uh, so he will join us at 12:30 good friends with pat casey and has an interesting story and whether it really comes down to go ahead and grab it i uh, we'll see what we've got going here uh, it's an interesting we're getting a call on a, on a back studio line that we only give out sparingly and okay and john just told the person you have the wrong number when you see that phone ring john it's not quite like
3: you know That's the red number, phone
2: ringing in Doctor Strangelove, but it kind he, of is. because yeah, it's only
3: a number you and I have. <laughs> right, we call our guests on that line, so and that,
2: sometimes they will call us back.
3: Right, mm-hmm. so an, a former guest would have that number, and no one else right. would. That's right. So that means that if that number rings, mm-hmm. it, it's got to. It's got to be, or it's a wrong number, and that gal was looking for the bookstore.
2: I was sli- uh, the Beaver Store. Which well, I do she, she just said, said,
3: "Um, I was calling about the bookstore." Okay,
2: now what I would and I would wanted to carry stay on to the sale. conversation. Well, I know because you have a show to do. <laughs> but The great thing would have been, uh, yes. What are you looking for? I want to know what she's looking for. I want to know the book she's pursuing, and then if she says, "Well, eh, we might be able to direct her to browsers of the book bin or somewhere." And have help you her ever
3: out. have you ever had full conversations with wrong numbers?
2: Yes, I have. I have, actually. too. Yeah, it's kind of fun, actually. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I realize you have a job to do here, and right. now your job, I thought they, I thought it might have been Joan Bonvicini calling... A little early. A little early, because I told her what number we'd be calling her on, and these great coaches, these people who live lives with which I'm not familiar, <laughs> you know, being early, being ahead of things, being so oh, organized, yeah. Oh, yeah. not having a garage that leads youngsters to say certain things. <laughs> I mean, the people who live lives that way amaze me. And so I thought that might have been Coach Mamasini, who's due up here at 1120, yeah. calling
3: now. Yeah, because, um, you know, professional people who have it together, yes. unlike here, um, <laughs> if we have them in studio or something, they'll be out there waiting. If Half I have someone for the morning show, I said, I, I almost want to say, what's the what's a non-rude way to say, don't show up until yeah. one minute before we right. go on, because it makes me nervous that they're mm-hmm. sitting there waiting for us. Because mm-hmm. in radio, the second is exactly what it is. You know, one we thing, say 9.30, it's 9.30.
2: Exactly. And if it's 9.28, you have all the time in the world. <laughs> That's right. Now- the one thing I've noticed in watching The Crown, which we have, and then somebody, Carl Mazdam, just told me, So, Mike, if you like The Crown, he likes, he likes The Crown, yeah. likes those, and I do too, the historical parts and the acting and some even some of the more soap opera ish elements, entertaining and well done, well crafted films. Yeah. The Crown and the episodes in The Crown. He said, Mike, you got to watch The Queen's Gambit. It's great. I, it's one of my favorite shows ever. That's the a great. The Queen's Gambit. Have you seen it? The whole series. And do you confirm Mazdam? And yes. say yes, it's very yeah, good. It has okay. nothing
3: to do with kings and queens though.
2: Uh, no, I, I understand that. It has to do that's it's a chess, chess move or something. It's but a see, chess. here's my deal with here's what I, my immediate objection when Mazdam said, Have you seen the Queen's Gambit? There are I said no objections. I said, <laughs> I said I'm not into chess. I've never played chess. <laughs> and he shot he just said, no, "I don't don't let that be a stumbling block to you."
3: There's a lot of shows and movies and series that come out where you where a person would say, "I'm not into that." Right. And they're wrong. Have you ever experienced that? Because if you have, you shouldn't have said that about that because <laughs> it isn't the chess that it's all about. It's the characters and the life. Okay. And they don't make you sit through an entire chess game but they actually make it interesting and in fact it makes you go, "Huh, I want to try playing a game again." Okay.
2: Okay. I and I'm looking forward to watching it. Carl said he too resisted it early. He said his wife gave a gave a shot at it and then demanded that he come down from whatever else he was doing. "You're going to watch this show with me. We're doing it together."
3: Okay, hold
2: on. And so we will uh we will uh, start watching that show. We're going to need to take a, a quick break here on the uh, Joe Beaver Show and come back with Joan Bonvicini. Some other activity going on in the phone lines in the background as we get off to uh, an interesting start in our background here. But I appreciated the recommendation by Mazdam for the Queen's Gambit. But before we break, Doc... Yeah, I had to go away. You know, I, I say it's a... It's a very, very good series. Okay, Joan Bonvicini will join us. Tell us quickly, since we have so many things to talk to her about. You might be able to bring it up to her on the air. But you said you've had you had an interaction where you quote helped her. How?
3: Uh, two th- I don't remember the year. It was oh
2: four or 2000.
3: It was early. It was okay, early, early on when I was here, mm-hmm. starting out and doing games, and they just Joan took care of her radio guy and her radio guy. Really nice guy. He was a long time. Uh, Minister, and yet he did play by play and was very good. I, he may still be doing it for him. I don't know, but he um, he couldn't make the trip for a personal reason, and it was a personal whatever. He couldn't make the trip, and they asked if I would do the broadcast for them while doing ours, so a, a simulcast, if you will. Yes. And I can do anything I want. I don't have to change, you know, go beavers mm-hmm. or anything like that and just help us out and i said sure no problem and i was fresh off doing all high school stuff in communities where you have to be neutral, neutral anyway mm-hmm. and and give a little love to the other team not say yay arizona we love you but at the same time mm-hmm. you know maybe highlight a few of their players that kind of thing for the home crowd and i did it was it was easy and she was very thankful for that and, and nice. thanked me personally and we nice. had a good conversation that's nice of her to go
2: out of the way to do that we will talk to Coach Bonvicini herself next. Arizona routed Oregon last night. Oh, 57 I know. To 41 I know. Women's Hoops, the 11th-ranked Wildcats. That's whom the Beavers play next. That's not going to be, it's not gonna a, be a, easy. A, any more than it was for the men to come off of their paws and play an Arizona team that I think is r- really good. Now, the Beavers did not play well, and they there yeah. were a lot of issues in last night's game. That's true. But I thought Arizona was quite good. Yeah. Their talent, their length, their size, their physicality—good players. I, I'm yeah, surprised it, that it they're seemed
3: worth watching the rest of the. Yeah, way. Yeah,
2: no, they're, they're they're they've self-imposed they, the rest of the way will be the end of the right. Pac-12 season. Right. But if they keep the group together and and depending on what happens with the infractions and the IARP and what they're going to render about the future of the program, that this group and team may not stay together for long. But if they do, that's a good group right yeah, there. Yeah. We'll break and come back with uh, Coach Bonvicini who will have the uh, analyst job for the Pac-12 Network Sunday afternoon at McHale Center, and will be an opportunity to visit with one of the coaching legends in women's hoops, Coach Joan Bonvicini next on 1240 Joe Radio.
4: Stalbush Island Farms is a proud sponsor of Oregon State women's basketball and wishes head coach Scott Ruick and his team the best of luck this season as they look to advance to the NCAA tournament again this year. Stalbush co-founders Bill and Carla Chambers invest in women leaders both in business and on the court. Look for the brown paper bag of sustainable and organic fruits and vegetables in the freezer aisle at your favorite grocer. Stalbush Island Farms, a real farm, a real place, a real family. And go Beavs! Angry Beaver
3: Grill is open for covered and heated outdoor dining as well as dinner to go orders Tuesday through Sunday. Get the favorites including Angry Beaver's Reuben and French dip sandwiches, burgers, tacos, and the Gables recipe chicken bisque soup and garlic croutons. And don't miss Angry Beaver's Friday and Saturday night famous Gables smoked ribeye steak dinner special. Angry Beaver Grill open Tuesday through Sunday from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. for covered and heated outdoor dining in the back of the restaurant and for carry out on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Angry Beaver, thank you for your support.
5: Have you tried to sell your RV? Was the offer from the RV dealer embarrassingly low? Guarantee's Cash for Campers program will beat any offer for your RV or we'll give you $500. This is Shannon Nil with Gary RV Supercenters in Junction City. Now's a great time to sell or consign your travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome so you can upgrade to a newer model that better fits your lifestyle. We've bought hundreds of RVs for cash and you can be next. Safe vacations and escapes are now more important than ever. So make sure your RV is ready to maximize your fun and enjoyment. It starts by selling your current RV and we'll give you $500 if Gary can't beat any other Oregon dealers' written offer on your late model RV in good condition. We'll even pay off your existing loan in a hassle-free transaction when we buy your RV. Visit Guarantee.com to learn more about Cash for Campers. We don't just sell fun, we guarantee it. Offer not available to commercial parties. Subject to change without notice. See dealer for details. Learn more at Guarantee.com.
6: Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing, member SIPC. Go Beeves.
2: This is Mike Parker for Even Flow Plumbing, your trusted award winning plumber for the Mid Valley. Even Flow specializes in complete plumbing and drain cleaning solutions for residential and commercial jobs. They treat your home like it's their home, and their flat rate pricing means no surprises at the end of the job. Even Flow takes pride in doing the job right the first time. Just call 541 738 8853 for all your plumbing needs. When you need a pro, go with the flow. Even Flow Plumbing. The Joe Beaver Show continues. Mike Parker along with John Warren. And it is an honor to welcome our first guest today. We still have Michaela Pivick, Dominic Cusumano joined together at 12.05. And then Bill Kruger will join us at 12.30. Joan Bonvicini, Coach Joan Bonvicini, will have the analyst role Sunday afternoon when the Beaver women's basketball team plays Arizona coming off the long pause 29 days since the Beavers last played a game, and then going up against a team ranked 11th in the country, and it's a tough, <laughs> tough way to come out of the gate, particularly how Arizona played last night in beating Oregon, 57-41, to forcing Oregon into 23 turnovers. We'll get into all of the things about the matchup Sunday afternoon at McHale here in a moment, but let us first of all say, Coach, it's an honor to have you on, Hall of Famer Joan Bonvicini joining us. How are you today, Coach? How's life in Tucson? I am-
7: uh, life in Tucson is great. It's beautiful. It's about 66 degrees right now. <laughs> and I'm actually prepping for this game and uh, excited to see the Beavers in person like everyone else.
2: Did you want, and as in prep, uh, prepping for the game, let's just jump right into the matchup that the Beavers are facing. Your former player is doing a tremendous job in Adia Barnes. What about that win last night and the way Arizona played and forcing? Oregon into 23 turnovers and holding them to such a a low point total.
7: Well, that was a statement win for uh, Arizona and Adia Bar and squad. I mean, I mean, looking at it prior to the game, I mean, Oregon is good. I mean, uh, Kelly is a very good coach, and although he has a young team, they're a very talented team, and they didn't show any of the because they're great shooters. They didn't show any of that yesterday. So I was a little surprised, but um, for Arizona, that helps them and their mindset as they go into this game on Sunday.
2: Joan Bonvicini joining us. How have you enjoyed the broadcasting, You're prepping? Do you find yourself prepping as a coach would prep for both teams in terms of scouting and and getting ready for tendencies and all of that? How has coaching served you as a broadcaster?
7: Uh, I love it. I mean, it's fun. Uh, That's how I get my basketball sticks. So I do prep uh, as if I'm going to coach or play against the other team. Uh, I look definitely as a coach's eye. Why? they're making adjustments and how uh, things are going, what their tendencies are. And and during the broadcast, um, I really try to share with the viewers and give some insight as to why coaches are making mm-hmm. adjustments and what to look for. So I try to uh, coach and teach during the broadcast, too. Do you
3: get more by being a former coach from your colleagues, even if you've never cross paths with them do they think oh you're a former coach so i'll tell you more uh, how does that work out for you
7: you know to be quite honest i do um and i i do know all the coaches that in the pac-12 and actually most uh, i do call some other games for other teams but uh, i know most of the coaches and they they do uh, respect that i was a, a, a coach before you know i've been in their shoes i know how they feel um However, however, there's a, you know, it's a lot different. It's interesting um, when you're coaching a game, I mean, in you have so many things, I mean, hundreds of things you're balancing. You're trying to understand your, you know, who's in the game, what kind of subs you need, you know, all kinds of plays. <clears throat> so your mind is going a million miles an hour. Actually, now broadcasting, I feel like the game has slowed down for me. Because I don't have the emotional investment mm-hmm. um, as I would if I was actually coaching a team, so I'm I'm much more uh, analytical, um, I, and you can see the game um, really because I'm impartial, and that's how I try to come across. and And you uh, know, I love it. It's been a lot of fun, and this is my fifth year with the net with tech 12 network
3: sometimes when we do play by play on radio uh we can get caught up in knowing and loving a game so much that we quote unquote coach from the broadcast booth which never works out well but we don't mean to do it but what about being a former coach in a broadcast booth do you coach from the broadcast booth in other words saying yeah i wouldn't run that play on this inbound or no
7: i don't do that i mean because i'm yeah. sensitive to that, to mm-hmm. be quite frank. I mean, I wouldn't want a broadcaster to say that about me or my team when I'm coaching a game. So let's say there's a timeout, because I remember this distinctly a year ago, um, that Scott Ruick had a timeout late, very late in the game, and I went over, I might say, hey, I would go to, uh, at that time, Michaela Pivik, uh second option, third option, and this is what I might say. And honestly, in the game that was in Tucson, because I called Arizona's game both in Tucson and in Corvallis a year ago, I I basically, and he, they did exactly, and actually I heard you have Pivik on, which mm-hmm. I love Michaela Pivik. Mm-hmm. She's awesome. But she actually hit that winning shot for the Beavers, and, and they won. I believe it was a two-point game here in Tucson a year ago.
2: Coach Joan Bonvicini, joining us. Coach, I'd like to pull back a little bit with you. To and This is the first time we've ever had you on the show. And, and reading about when you were inducted into the University of Arizona Sports Hall of Fame in 2019, the article was so informative, former players paying tribute to you, but it described your 36 years in coaching, 701 victories, Long Beach State, Arizona, and concluding your coaching career at Seattle University. That's a lot of stuff out here in our region in the West, but you didn't grow up in the West, and you kind of tell us a little bit about your basketball background, how you fell in love with the game playing at Southern Connecticut State University, and then getting a a coaching job at Long Beach at the age of twenty-five.
7: Well, uh, long okay, long story short, I'm definitely an East Coast person. Grew up in Connecticut, and I'm impressed with that. You know a little bit about my background um everyone thinks uh if they don't really know me that I went to Yukon no I didn't and I probably would have if Gino had been there when I was coaching but mm-hmm. they weren't very good and and Southern Connecticut at that time was division 1 uh now division 2 but I had a tremendous coach um so and we uh, I was part of a, a, a outstanding team so I was a point guard and a pretty good player um we, I played in three Final Fours and was a finalist um, for the Olympic team in 1976. When I graduated college, uh, my coach, and she was very instrumental in my life, um, really saw that she felt like I should stay and, and try to coach. And I wasn't sure. So I had a, a trip right after I graduated college to play in the first big women's summer league in los angeles and when you're an east coast kid and go to southern california for free and have a summer there okay that influenced me (laughs) a lot and i liked it i made friends there and um ended up uh i came home told my parents and they weren't very happy but i decided to give it a shot and i went out there um I I worked, my real job was actually, I was a computer programmer, if you could believe it, Hmm. from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. And then (laughs) after that, I coached. Mm -hmm. Um, My first job as an assistant uh, was at Cal Poly Pomona uh, and worked for uh, and with a a wonderful coach, uh, Darlene May, who was a Hall of Famer. And I was there two years and then assistant decided to go to a bigger school. Uh, went to Long Beach State as assistant and worked again, uh, for a tremendous woman, uh, Dr. Fran Shasma, and, uh, left my programming job and threw my everything into coaching. And after two years, I, um, she had retired and I became the head coach, hmm. as you mentioned, at 25 years old, which doesn't happen anymore.
2: Not really, no. And your 12 years there go to -to back-to-back Final Fours before moving to a place that became such an important part of your life at the University of Arizona. But I wonder, Coach, stylistically what I've read in the articles about you is you brought some East Coast basketball. To the West, which really hadn't seen the kind of style of play that you began to develop at Long Beach State, is that accurate? And, and did you have some concepts and ideas that that maybe took some of the teams in your region a little bit, you know, by storm in terms of the way you played?
7: I do think uh, it, it definitely influenced me the people around me, but um, so I was always I always loved uh, up tempo uh, transition. Uh, trapping defense, I, and I like that because I always felt I wanted to be the coach and the team that people were more concerned about what we did at mm-hmm. times than themselves as they prepped for us. But I had a, a coach work worked for me, and a high school coach actually influenced me, and I put in a, an early uh, transition offense way before probably even men's teams And it wasn't like Loyola Marymount because they had, oh, my God, Paul Westhead Mm -hmm. uh, do it. We weren't like that. And you have to shoot in certain seconds. But, however, we were Mm up-tempo. And we were good. We were already pretty good and we were averaging, at that time, 80 Mm -hmm. plus points a game. Mm -hmm. Well, when I put in this transition offense, and I didn't try to do it. It just happened we now went – from averaging 80-some-odd of game to 90-some-odd of game. But not only did our – we were averaging 24, 25 wins. We now moved into the high 20s to 30 wins and, and more a game – I mean, a season. And uh, that's how we went to the Final Four. So we were doing things probably a little bit ahead of other teams at the time. And it was fun. I mean, winning is, <laughs> is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And it's contagious. And, uh, you know, I was just around so many great people, players. Like, I'm a big relationship person. I I didn't like coaching. I loved it. I love my players and still do. Um, I love the people I work with. And, you know, basketball has changed my life. I mean, I've been to every state in the U.S. I've been all over the world. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I mean, I loved it, and, and that's why to call the games now in the Pac-12, which is, I mean, arguably the best conference in the, in the country with some of the best players and coaches in the country. I mean, it's a lot of fun.
3: What about coming to Gill Coliseum when we have fans and the, the job that Scott yeah. has done and, and getting fans of six, 7,000 on a regular basis at Oregon State? What that, what's that like for you? What do you think about that?
7: Well, uh, first of all, I think Scott um, is a fabulous coach. And I think, you know, if you look at both coaches going into the game on Sunday, um, what's unusual, both of them are grads of the schools they, they now coach. Yeah. And and for Scott, he understood um, what it meant to be a beaver because when he took that job, I mean, there was talk. I mean, they may, might not even have had a team that mm-hmm. first year. Mm-hmm. He is a a fabulous coach, um, obviously known as a great defensive coach. But I I think his best quality um, is that he's able to get the most out of the talent he has. Uh, And uh, he's done a fabulous job. The the fans, um, as you mentioned, uh, really respect him and love him. They love the involvement the players have in the community. And he understands that community. I um, mean, he, he's a part of that. Um, he takes the time to go out. And, and that's what it does. That's how you get the community involved, particularly on the women's side. So they feel the the fans up there definitely feel a strong connection with the women's players and team and with him and so it's definitely been a winning combination.
2: And coach, you speak of something you know that was one of the the common themes that your players upon your the introduction of yourself to the Arizona Hall of Fame, many of them talked about the community involvement. So that's always been a big part of of how you viewed your work at Arizona and in other stops. One thing about Scott, when you you mentioned he he gets the most out of the talent. He hasn't been able to work with this year's team as much, and he is not alone. His coaches all over are dealing with the issues from the pandemic. So it'll be interesting to see, after all this time off, what they're able to do Sunday against a very talented Arizona team in Tucson. But have you seen enough of Oregon State yet to know what kind of roster talent he has to work with this year and some of the things that he's been dealing with with that roster?
7: Well, I, as everyone knows, I saw them early, as others have. But um, the last month um, has been, uh, you know, I feel for him and all the other coaches and players across the country to deal with this pandemic. I mean, I love coaching, to be honest. I'm glad I'm not coaching in this environment right now. However, um, you know, I, I, I saw an interview that uh, – that Scott did yesterday along with Aaliyah Goodman, and someone asked a question to him if he felt like this was going to be like the first game of the season. Um, I don't think it will because he has an idea now of what he has. Mm -hmm. And he has some things, I mean, good points that they've done in the season and there are things they haven't done as well. And and so um, I'm sure this is given both his staff and himself a lot of time to work on some things. The hard part is he hasn't had all the players together at one time for a long time. Um, and so that, like I'm going to interview actually Scott later on today, I'll be in a conference call with my broadcast partner, Brian Weber, where we'll ask him some of those questions, but you know, I, I, have, a, I have a lot of respect for Scott um, and uh, I know the game Sunday will be a very good game, um, and you know uh, Arizona is a good team, very good team too. It's interesting their strengths, Arizona strengths, and Oregon strength, State strengths are very different, and it's going to come down which team can utilize their strength the best
8: hmm, interesting. And,
7: and do a good job with that. Because you know, just look at the height of the roster for Oregon State. It is so much taller Mm -hmm. than Arizona's, Um, and that's, like I always said, there's two things you can't teach. You can't teach quickness, so Arizona's the quicker team, but you can't teach height, Mm -hmm. and it's a matter if Oregon State's height uh, can really be a factor Mm -hmm. um, in this game. That's why I was honestly surprised with the Oregon loss yesterday, Uh, to arizona because they're
3: so tall also last thing it's
7: going to be it's going to be a good
3: game last thing from me coach um washington Mm -hmm. state common opponent beat both Mm -hmm. arizona and oregon state now i understand that arizona had really couldn't hit the broadside of a barn in the fourth quarter after um um they were up 16 in that game but what what about this cougar team what is this a real for real team they're seven and one right now and second in the conference or they were, anyway.
7: They're a real team. They're a real team. So the Ledger-Walker sisters um, are are the real deal, particularly mm-hmm. the freshmen. You know, I knew immediately when I watched her, and I believe the first time I watched was the, was the Oregon State game, and then I watched the Oregon game, too, and obviously I watched the Arizona game. They're for real. And when you have a, a dynamic, let's talk about the younger one. When you have a dynamic player like that, um, it's interesting. She, uh, Her basketball IQ is off the charts. She's extremely skilled, and she doesn't get rattled. You know, she is playing like a seasoned veteran and a really good seasoned veteran. And what that does, it, it uh, empowers the players around them. And uh, the players around them, are their level of play has increased also and along with their confidence level. And Kami Etheridge is a good coach, um, and she has a good staff, and she's another coach who I feel gets the most out of her players. So, I mean, they're not only uh, the team that's talked about uh, unbelievably in the conference. I mean, they were picked last, but for the country, um, she's uh, she's if she can keep those. Well, the one sister is actually the older one, may come back for next year also because with the NCAA ruling, they may, mm-hmm. you know, she's allowed to come back. But they're, they're a good team. They're huh. a good team, yeah. and it's not a fluke at all.
2: Last thing, Coach, Joan Bonvicini joining us. You will hear her work and see her on television Sunday, 1 o'clock here Pacific Time on the Pac-12 Networks with Brian Weber. I, a quote from your former player and the current head coach at Arizona Adia Barnes. there's It's a beautiful testament to you, but also within the quote that I'm going to share, there's also <laughs> almost to me a bit of a sad touch of fatalism in it when she said, when paying tribute to you when you were named for the Hall of Fame at Arizona, here's what Adia Barnes said then in 2019. Quote, That's why you coach. You're going to win and lose, and you're going to get fired one day. Every coach gets fired, probably. You're never going to win enough games, enough championships. You're never going to be good enough. I think it's the way you make people feel, impact, change people's lives. I think that's more important, and I bet you, I bet you that's more important than any of her, your 700 wins, unquote. That's quite a quote in itself with a lot to unpack, but what do you make of her statement?
7: Oh, Adia and I are very, very close. And uh, I mean she she I you know, I, I think I've earned her respect over the years and trust. And um you no, know, she's great. You know, I had very early in my career, I'll never forget this. I don't know if I had just had taken uh, my long one of my Long Beach teams to the final four. But uh the athletic director who hired me Said something to me that coaches are hired to get fired. And I'm going to tell you, when he said that to me, I was so insulted.
8: Mm-hmm. But
7: as what happens, I think, um, as you mature and, and, you know, in coaching and you do this for a long time, you see there's a lot of things that are you're responsible for, whether it's your fault or not. Things happen and things can change. And that's just the business. But anyway, I have, I love coaching. I love the relationships and the experiences I've had, both good and hard. I mean, that's part of life. But, um, you know, I love A Adia and I are very close. But I'm going to tell you this, and for your fans listening, <laughs> when I call the game, right. I call it as I see it. Yeah. I, um, don't show favoritism, or I really do everything not to do that. And, uh, I mean, it's fun, and I love it, and I know we're going to have a great game on Sunday afternoon.
2: Coach, thank you for your time. It's an honor to have you on the show and to meet you in this context. I hope our paths will cross someday again, as they did with with my co-host here, John, uh, 15, 20 years ago. He's always spoken highly of you, and we've admired your work for years and look forward to listening to you on Sunday. Thanks for the time on our show. We appreciate it.
7: Thank you. I have one request. Yeah. Uh, please tell Michaela Pivick, who I know is going to be a guest on your show, yes. please tell her I said hello.
2: We will do Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. Joan Bonvicini, Hall of Famer, several different spots along the way. New, the New England Sports Hall of Fame, Long Beach State University's Hall of Fame, Arizona's Hall of Fame, 701 victories. And yet was fired at the place that then put her in the hall about 12 years later. It's amazing. You know, it's just like she said. I mean, you mature and you know things can happen, things out of your control. But she's back living in Tucson, back in a good relationship with the school that let her go after a great run down there for many years. 17 years at Arizona. We break, we come back, and I think we have a mystery guest who will enter and sign in, please, and regale us with something on 1240 Joe Radio.
1: Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eaves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. So if you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, see the Unified Insurance Group. 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first.
4: Do you need to transfer an old video or film to a digital format? Wise Photo Printing can help. Need a passport or visa picture for virtually any country, including Canada? Wise Photo Printing can help. Do you need a high-resolution scan of a print, a negative, or a slide? Wise Photo Printing can help. There are self-service kiosks, too. Wise Photo Printing, open Tuesday through Saturday from 10 until 6 on 2nd Street next to the Peacock Tavern, downtown Corvallis, or online at wisephotoprinting.com. Wise Photo Printing, helping you get it done. At Running Princess
9: Athletic, we are as passionate about OSU's women's basketball as we are about helping you find great athletic and athleisure wear. Running a marathon, running to the store, or running an online meeting, you deserve to be comfortable with our body-inclusive sizing. From extra small to 3XL, come see us at Running Princess Athletic, 351 Madison Avenue, downtown Corvallis, or anytime at
4: runningprincess.com. Go Beavers! Your local Qdoba Mexican Eats plays an important role in serving our communities and will continue to provide access to freshly prepared food during this challenging time. While dining rooms are temporarily closed, all of your local Qdoba locations in Salem, Corvallis, Eugene, and throughout Oregon are ready to serve you with their same great flavors, making sure to take all safety precautions out of concern for their dedicated workers and valued customers. For quick and easy takeout ordering, call ahead to your locally owned and operated Qdoba Mexican Eats for curbside pickup. You can also use the app or order online at Qdoba.com. The Peacock Bar & Grill is closed again for indoor dining, but the Peacock's entire breakfast, lunch, and dinner menu, including their daily $6 specials, are available to eat outside in their covered patio area. You can also pick it up curbside or have it delivered to your home or office by Munchies, Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Grubhub. Call 541-754-8522. That's 754-8522 and get it to go. The Peacock Bar & Grill, a Corvallis tradition since 1929 on 2nd Street, downtown.
2: Hey Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games, Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis. The Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Mike Parker, John Warren, Michaela Pivick, and Dominic coming up at 12.05. And I'm sure that when Joan Bonvicini says, Michaela's one of my all-time favorites, and you be sure to say hi to her from me, that's absolutely from the heart. Who could, who does not love Michaela Pivak? Well, that and Michaela will go,
3: oh, oh, yeah. all right, thank yeah. you. And she'll, she's the sweetest person.
2: So this next person, you've had a couple of conversations off the air. I don't think he may have called the show before. I don't know. We were talking about, Films made in Oregon and Cuckoo's Nest and Ron Callan's part in it. And we started talking about the – Dave called in about the scene, the harrowing shuddering and yet at the same time kind of comical entertaining scene in sometimes a great notion now called never give an inch. Why they changed the name, I have no idea. It was a lawsuit or – no, sometimes a great notion is a brilliant expression and title but and the title of Kesey's book. But the film, sometimes a great notion, made down in the Lincoln City area. Uh, what's the There's a bay there where they film a football game, a, a f- sand football game is filmed at a place I've oh. walked on many times. I can't remember right now. That that was in Lincoln City, <laughs> yeah, not quite Lincoln City proper, but south of there. Yeah, okay. A bay. Huh. I can't quite remember it. So that, that's where I saw Bill Buckner and talked to him in that area back in the day. Yeah. the Kernville Tavern was a place, according to a friend of mine, that the locals would prepare to. He was, he was an extra in the film or saw the film being made. And he said, Paul Newman would buy the rounds almost every night at the Kernville Tavern. Nice. So these are things I've heard. I didn't experience, but Jim called you and has called us back on the downward dog sports line. Thank you, Jim. So, I've only heard stories. What did you experience this, or have a family member that did? What can you tell us about sometimes a great notion back in uh, 1971?
10: Uh, well, it was uh, when I was uh, getting ready for high school, and uh, my favorite uncle Bob was uh, in the film.
8: Hmm.
2: He
10: was—he uh, was the, uh, I guess you call it the foreman of the logging crew that was doing uh, work out there. And so, I'm not sure if you. Was meant to be in the film. I just know that uh, he actually had a speaking part in it. Uh, for wow. <laughs> I can't call it a speaking part because it was only one word. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> is it a repeatable so, word or not? And we can't—is <laughs> it a word? Uh, wh-
10: sort of, but we kind <laughs> of repeat it a lot. It, 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 he says "damage," oh, okay. so we do the—you the, the, know—so it's not horrible. No, uh, but so I don't know that it was on purpose or not. But I know that it was a scene where. Where he was, he had his uh, silver hard hat, uh, and one of uh, the—I think the guy that drowns under the log in the Mm -hmm. um, water—I think he was setting a choker around a a tree, uh, you know, one that they had chopped down and get ready to pull out of there. And he—I'm not sure if he did it on purpose or—and it became part of the film or what. But anyway, he dropped (laughs) that choker end of it while going around it, and my uncle was on the other side. And it hit his hard head, put a big dent in it, and uh, <laughs> and he said, "Damn it!" Uh, and I think they kept that uh, just just for grins.
2: I like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so was he was originally an funny, extra, and
10: uh, he gets royalties. Uh, uh, he's since passed, but he still they still get royalties from it. It's not a lot, but it's uh, something. And uh, and I do have an original copy of the film that they gave all the people that actually had hmm. parts in it. Um, uh, so it's, it was really cool to me as a, as a young man.
2: Did wow. you watch some of the filming of it?
10: Uh, about 20, 20 or 30 times. Yeah.
2: No, no, but I mean... Yeah, I did. No, no, but... Oh, you know mean? When they
10: did when it. When they did it, uh, did no, you? I okay. I uh, No, I'm sorry. I didn't. They, um, My uncle is pretty... He's a pretty quiet guy, and so he never did any real bragging like I probably would have. But... Uh, um, Paul Newman, he said, was uh, the greatest guy on the planet. Um, mm-hmm. They played. My uncle tended to tip a little um, beer, and uh, they would go into Dallas, Oregon, and uh, they would drink down at the local pool uh, hall. And uh, and Paul Newman and him became pretty good friends. Uh, so one day, and this is a, you can, it's a true story. Paul Newman backed a. Uh, um, I think it was I'm pretty sure it was Blitz Weinhardt truck up to the back of my uncle's shop and unloaded the whole truck in there.
2: It all <laughs> him. Wow. The the story that I have about Paul from the person that I know is similar in nature in terms of the fellowship around beer <laughs> and the importance of it. You know what I heard was that uh, it was the Kernville Tavern that uh, at least on on this occasion it might have been in Dallas also, but in the Kernville Tavern that Paul was buying for all the local residents who he had observed were a little upset that filming, the filming of this movie in Lincoln County and along the Silets River in Yaquina Bay, that's the name of the bay, Yaquina Bay, where they have a, a sand football game that's very entertaining right along the Oregon coast. Uh, it's a really entertaining film, but it, some of the scenes were depriving the locals from applying their profession and their craft they they had to stop what they were doing in order to allow uh, some of the scenes to be filmed with the logging operations and the logs going down the river and so on and paul observed that the locals were getting a little bit restive about this weren't happy about it and so he stopped yelled cut and then yelled all the locals look i'm sorry We'll, we'll be done with this scene soon but I'm telling you, everything. Uh, come to the Kernville Tavern tonight, and everything's on me, and it will be for the rest of the production. So that would that would win the local hearts and minds, I would think, uh, Jim.
10: Yes, no doubt. I and mean, he truly was. My uncle said he truly was uh, a friend, not just uh, an acquaintance of the movie, because uh, he was just my uncle was just an extra, and I believe that just because he said that word, they kind of it kind of fit that nature <laughs> yeah. of the movie, and
3: uh, they
2: thought, what the know, yeah,
3: why not? Interesting. Or Paul said, Oh, that's my new friend. Let's keep that in there. That'll be fun. I like it. <laughs> Thanks for Thanks, the Jim.
2: Jim. That's a great call. Johnny, let's take the final break this hour. Wrap up our number one with Dominic and Michaela coming up along with Bill Krueger next hour.
4: Corvallis.
3: Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget, Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at Middleton. Hi, this is
5: Mike at Anderson Jewelers reminding you the gold and silver market is still strong, so I'm still buying old gold jewelry and watches. Right now I'm paying cash for 10, 14, and 18-karat gold jewelry, sterling silver, antique and estate jewelry, and of course Rolex and Omega wristwatches.
1: Anderson Jewelers is a licensed and certified business buying old gold and silver in the city of Corvallis for 25 years. Need some extra cash? Stop by and see Mike today. Anderson Jewelers near the corner of 5th and Madison downtown Corvallis.
11: Don't let concerns about today's events derail your long-term financial strategy. Hi, I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Sam Nestline, and I'm here to help. We can work together to understand the impact of these events and make sure your goals are top of mind. While you can't control market volatility, we'll focus on what you can control. We can connect in several virtual ways. Start by giving me, Sam Nestline, a call at 541-753-4665. Edward Jones, Member SIPC.
0: Everyone has an Uncle Fester in their life, that person who is nearly impossible to please. Well, take them to Woodstock's Pizza and they'll find exactly what they're looking for. Because Woodstock's Pizza is pizza for all. With over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, 6 different sauces, 4 different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free. Plus, vegan and dairy-free options, Woodstock's Pizza really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza. They'll even please Uncle Fester on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis.
9: At Running Princess Athletic, we are as passionate about OSU's women's basketball as we are about helping you find great athletic and athleisure wear. Running a marathon, running to the store, or running an online meeting, you deserve to be comfortable with our body-inclusive sizing. From extra small to 3XL, come see us at Running Princess Athletic, 351 Madison Avenue, downtown Corvallis or anytime at runningprincess.com. Go Beavers!
6: This is OSU women's basketball coach Scott Ruick. You're listening to 1240 Joe Radio. One
2: of Scott's great players of all time will join us in a few minutes to talk about the new venture. It's the same, but a different kind of approach. We'll talk to Michaela and Dominic here in uh, at 1205. To complete the story about Kernville and Paul Newman, the story closes in a beautiful way to me in this way, John. I've shared it before. Yeah. 1971, Kernville Tavern, Paul's buying for everybody while making sometimes a great notion. In 1997, Circus 97, Budweiser G.I. Joe's 200, the race, uh, the IndyCar race, yeah. cart race at, at uh, PIR, a guy, Ed McQuarrie, walks up to Paul in a hospitality tent and says, I thought you might be wanting one of these right now. Hands him a cup of Budweiser. Budwe- uh, Paul takes it, takes a sip, looks at him and says to Ed, Kernville Tavern.
3: <laughs> 25 years yeah, later. You were
2: there, right? And, wow. and he remembered a local and I said, are you telling me that? Ed said, absolutely, I'm telling you the truth. Paul remembered that I was one of the locals and I was there essentially every night enjoying the beer that Paul was buying. Michaela next with Dominic. All
5: set, please. Here's the
12: microphone. Is this, thing
5: on? this is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on at 5. And QID.
12: 1240, Joe I'm Jim Chesko with Your Money Now. We've seen a lot of successful initial public offerings in recent months, and there's another highly anticipated one on the way now, known largely for its female-centered dating app, Bumble. Today filed paperwork for an IPO. Over an eight-month period through last September, Austin, Texas-based Bumble generated about $377 million in revenue while posting a net loss of $84 million. In addition to its dating app, Bumble also offers professional networking and an app that helps people find new friends. Stocks are in the red today. The Dow Industrials is down 69 points. The S&P 500 lower by 13. The tech-heavy Nasdaq Composite has dropped 56. U.S. crude prices fell 2.3%. Disney has ended its annual pass program for Disneyland, citing uncertainty about when the park would reopen and the limitations that may be imposed when it does. The park's been closed for 10 months, and Disney plans to issue prorated refunds to current annual pass holders. That's
6: I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-469-7272.
1: That's 800-469-7272. 800-469-7272, or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at
0: slugquote.com slash commercials, or price could vary depending on your health-issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states.
2: Trace comes inside, lays it in, and counts, his fouled. Your tax and wealth management coaches, Paul Witzke, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry are ready to put you in the game. Perhaps you're looking to save money for your kid's college, start your retirement, or need business coaching. Tax and wealth management has what you need to execute that game plan into a victory. With 40 years in business, tax and wealth management in Corvallis has the strategy you need for tax planning and saving for your financial future. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com or call 541 75 Three
11: forty-one eighty-five to get in the game are you already settling into the winter doldrums well hold on to your hat the natty dresser is holding a week-long grand reopening celebration january 11 through 16 we'll have games prizes raffles in-store specials live music and so much more all to celebrate our new location at the corner of 2nd and broad Albany street in the heart of historic downtown albany check out our facebook page for details the natty dresser purveyors of quality menswear Dress well, be confident, find success. Hi, this is Matt Vaskersion with another little-known legend of sports. What was the finest single punt in professional football history? Our vote goes to a 1969 kick by an unheralded Jets rookie named Steve O'Neill that was about as perfect as a punt can be. During a game against the Broncos, New York had a fourth down on their own one-yard line when O'Neill boomed a punt from the back of the Jets' end zone. The ball traveled 70 yards in the air, sailing over Denver return man Floyd Little before landing at the Broncos 30-yard line, where it took a Jets bounce and finally rolled to a stop at the Denver 1. O'Neal's punt measured 98 yards, and even though it occurred during a game in the old American Football League, it's now listed as an NFL record. O'Neal went on to play five seasons in the NFL, but he never once led the league in punting or made it to the Pro Bowl. Still, that one incredible punt back in 1969 is remembered to this day, making Steve O'Neill a little-known legend of sports.
9: Have big plans for your laundry room? So does Lowe's. Right now, save big on a Samsung large-capacity top-load washer and dryer that was $949 and now's just $679 each. Samsung's newest washing machine comes in a stylish champagne finish and has more capacity for large loads to cut down on wash time. And with the innovative Samsung dryer, set sensor dry to help dry clothes more evenly. Shop at Lowe's
7: now
6: with free delivery. Valid through 120, US only.
12: What's in store this
0: week at Staples? New year, fresh start. Get a head start this year with great deals on storage solutions, tech, and office essentials. And now, only at Staples, HP Plus is available on HP OfficeJet Pro printers, like the HP 8025E wireless all-in-one printer for just $169.99.
3: HP Plus gives you double the warranty and six months of ink at no
0: extra cost. Shop in store or pick up curbside. Start the year right and save at Staples. Curbside available in most stores. See staples.com slash HP Plus for details. Welcome back. welcome back welcome back welcome back to another welcome day in the life back. of the joe beaver show with mike parker whose name brings instant recognition it's a mr parker who mr parker who 30 2520!
5: 20 Ken i'm pretty mr. busy right now mr parker Touch yes mm-hmm. now now no, no, mr
0: parker
1: now just just, just calm
0: yourself oh, yeah. goodbye I'm excitable. Yeah. Mr. Parker is not alone, of course. Hey,
12: which yeah. way the other fella go? Uh, the other fella was another yeah. fella. Had. You wait right here. I'll go get Warren.
0: Uh, John Warren, the most humble man in sports.
1: Oh, yes, 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 I helped write the game. No. Oh, toured the world, giving lessons and also lecturing. Yes. This is good. This is real good. I'm, I'm really proud of our team.
0: And the Joe Beaver Show always seeks fellowship. Is there a doctor on the stands? Well, yes, I'm a doctor. How do you like the game, Doc? So, here living the dock life are Mike Parker and John Warren with the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio.
2: We get off to a, a tremendous start here in the second hour just because of the fact of our next guests. Bill Kruger, by the way, will join us at 1230-ish. But to get the hour started, a pleasure to welcome in a good friend of the show over the years, just a good friend in Dominic Cusimano along with Michaela Pivick, and Dominic and Michaela both joining us on the show via the Downward Dog phone lines to speak to us about selfless servings and a bit of a new direction, but the same concept in mind. Selfless servings was created by our own Michaela Pivick to provide meals for local frontline health care workers, and this effort continued all the way through December 28th, and it's kind of venturing now into not only uh, frontline healthcare workers, but first responders as uh, targets to receive the tremendous work and the vision that uh, Michaela Pivok originally had. She's had tremendous help from Barb and Dominic Cusimano, along with Linda Whiteman and Sue Sun-Wong, Amanda Tran and others to help keep this initiative going, which was started uh, out of Michaela's heart. Back when the pandemic was first hitting, and it was clear that frontline healthcare workers working around the clock that to be served meals by generous uh, restaurateurs in the area, by people making the deliveries possible, all of that has continued. And recently, as recently as December 28th, selfless servings delivered over 50 meals provided by Taco Vor and University Hero to Good Sam's emergency night shift. So, the work is continuing. It was Michaela's idea originally, and I know from her heart she wants to keep this going. And thanks to Dominic and Barb and others, it will. So let's begin with Michaela and welcome her into the Joe Beaver Show. Michaela, congratulations on so many things that have happened since we last spoke, but selfless servings is the focus of our conversation. How excited are you that the community of Beaver Nation and others have wanted to keep this initiative going? How has it gone through these last nine months or so, and and how what do you see the future as? Yeah, it's been amazing to
13: support uh, financially as well as Uh, giving back time the community has has done for this project Um, started nine months ago when the pandemic first hit um, and we weren't quite sure how long um, the pandemic would last i think most of us including me anticipated uh, maybe five six months max Mm -hmm. um, to get it under control and here we are nine months later coming up on a year and still not sure where the end of it um, lies Um, but we know we're making positive steps forward and um, continuing with self serving to try to make an impact um, on the whole community around us. So um, we initiated and started by focusing on healthcare workers. and Now we're expanding it to other frontline workers like firefighters or EMTs or police officers, officers that also play a big role in our communities. We know um, some firefighters too are helping uh, deliver the vaccine um, around to as many people as possible. So we're trying to um, hit all these frontline workers that are making an
2: impact. Well, congratulations on that, Michaela, and thank you. We'll continue the conversation with you, but we want to bring in Dominic Cusimano. Dominic, you have been a friend to us for a long time, and I know to Oregon State Athletics and a huge <laughs> fan of Oregon State Athletics in all, uh, in all sports, but the women's <laughs> basketball program has meant a lot to you, and so has Michaela, obviously, as a huge part of it. So tell us a little bit, Dominic, about your involvement initially when Michaela created Selfless Servings and kind of where you and Barb and others are are going from here now.
14: Well, th- thanks for having me yeah. on. Hi, uh, Michaela. Hey. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <coughs> but Barb and I um, got involved. We were just talking about that it, we couldn't quite pinpoint exactly when but several months ago um right as soon as we heard about it we, we we signed up to volunteer making deliveries and and we made a few deliveries along the way and then um i remember i don't know if it was the last interview but but an interview uh, you and john did with with Michaela, um as she was Leaving, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think she'd already graduated and it was already was actually packed up and getting ready to head out of town. And um, she she mentioned uh, see you, son, and, and Amanda um, carrying on the program. And, and I think Michaela at that time, if I remember, was, was uh, hoping to um, to continue the program and and uh, maybe so- soliciting some help at that time. And, uh, senior son is actually a neighbor of ours. She, she lives right around the corner. And, um, so Barb and I talked about it and, you know, we were looking for ways to, to, to give back, um, specifically around the pandemic and, and, um, just, just, you know, finding, finding things to, to do to help out. Um, and, and so that's how, you know, we we made the connection with Sue's with Son and then Amanda and um and and Linda Whiteman who's who's a friend. I've known Linda and Jim Whiteman for, for a very long time. So uh that that's kinda how we got started.
2: Now Dominic, let's stay with this. And I want to get to you know, we're going to talk to Michaela about life in Spain and playing over there in that league, 15 games, and what's next for her on basketball. So hang with us, Michaela. Yep. There's some other things we want to talk to you about, too. But, Dominic, to, to do all of this, I mean, when I just said moments ago, the information you provided, 50 meals provided by Taco Vor and University Hero, fits right into Michaela's original vision that this is a win win for the local businesses you know, struggling these last 9 months through the pandemic to find ways to bless them with these types of orders and then to take you know pay for those meals and take them to the frontline workers and so on but that that does cost some money and there've been a lot of generous donations and donors but to keep the effort going what is it that we and others perhaps can do to help facilitate the effort continuing
14: well, so uh, you know, I think the first thing is, is uh, you know people can go go to the website uh, selflessservings.org, dot mm-hmm. o r g and um, you know you, you just google selfless servings and uh, that'll that'll take you uh, to the website. I think there's a Facebook page I, I'm not much into social media, but there's a Facebook page, I think an Instagram page as well. Um so we uh, as a year, Kind of came to an end that there was um i guess the best way to put it you know michaela when when this was started started a, a GoFundMe page and that and that's that's the way the uh, money was initially raised and and so there was um a, 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 a pot of money that was mm-hmm. still there that we were we were hoping to uh, use up before the end of the year and um, and then we we started talking about well let's Let's look at a phase two, um, and kind of moving forward, who who we might support um, besides the the well, in addition to the the uh, frontline healthcare workers. Um, so the, you know, the more we have weekly meetings, and and uh, the, the more we started talking, the, the more we we started uh, kind of brainstorming where else we could go with this. So um, so so currently. We have a new there's a new GoFundMe page um, and, and you can find that again uh, if you go to GoFundMe and type in selfless servings um, that that will get you there. Um, we have a Venmo account and and there are there are four ways to to access that Venmo account and I, I'm happy to give those to you right now Mike I think we can do it quickly Sure. Um, yeah so so if you uh, search at Selfless Servings um, is, is one way. Um, we have a QR code that um, I, we, we can utilize, and I, I can figure out how to get that to people who might be interested. So there's at Selfless Servings at Venmo, and then uh, there's an email account, selflessservings at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And we, we also have a phone number that, that folks can access and that that number is four three five seven five seven three eight nine six and and so those that I those items I just gave those are ways to access Venmo and uh, I'm a novice. So I'm still trying to figure out what Venmo is exactly <laughs> yeah um, I'm with you <laughs> uh, so um, so so there's. Uh, you know, if people go to the website. It's it's actually being updated this weekend, but there's still a tremendous amount of information on there um, that that explains the mission. There's a mission statement on there. Um, it, it, it'll uh, there's a link there to help folks who might want to volunteer. So we're gonna we're gonna be looking for volunteers to uh, deliver meals, pick up from from uh, local restaurants, and deliver. And um, you, you know there, there are so many restaurants in town, uh, small, family-owned restaurants who, who have supported um, this effort from the beginning, and, and um, they they've been tremendous. Um, and so we're we're just keeping the keeping Michaela's vision going. In her name. I mean, I, I can't emphasize enough how much it, it it meant to Barb and me to get involved. And Nick and I, we, we talked just about forty minutes ago on the phone. And and um, I, you know, the, the one reason we got involved is is, is be, because of of Mikayla. And mm-hmm. and um, so uh, we don't we don't make a we don't have a meeting when Mikayla's name doesn't come up. So. Um, so we're just we're moving into phase two, and we're hoping to get the word out as much as possible, and we really appreciate what, what you guys have been willing to do for us. This right here will help us get started to kickstart phase two.
2: Absolutely, Dominic. Dominic Cusimano and Michaela Pivak joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show to speak of phase two of selfless servings. Again, the website is selflessservings.org. Michaela, when you hear... Dominic talk about and when you think about the response of the community, Beaver Nation that is so deeply in love with the women's basketball program, so you as sort of the, the face and the initiator of this whole thing, what has been your, your sense about the response here, even in difficult, challenging times, the generosity of the community that you're in a very real sense hoping and, and counting on again, but what has it been like over the last nine months to see the community step up in the way it has?
13: I'm I'm just super appreciative and thankful and realizing just more and more how much they, um, that community supports us outside of sports and athletics um, and, and supports its community as a whole in all facets, of sports, uh, people around them, and how uh, people of Corvallis have really big hearts to, um, to make positive impact. Um, and so I was a big part of it over the summer, and then as I left for Spain, I was. Um unsure, I knew I was leaving it in good hands, but unsure how, how, how it would continue to develop and to see um, Barb and Dominic and Linda Whiteman and and Long and Minitran continue to help it grow and um, continue to want to move on and, and go past what I was a part of at the beginning is really cool to see and thankful for everybody that's been involved in all the hours donated and the generous uh, financial donations as well we got a big financial donation from the Clark family and other uh, big basketball fans as well. So uh, just everybody that um, I've been exposed to through basketball have come back and wanted to be a part of this is, is really cool to see
2: final thing on not not on this we will we'll keep getting the word out in a variety of ways and stay in touch with you Dominic and we hope you too Michaela in the months ahead but we just visited with coach Joan Bonvicini on the Joe Beaver show last hour oh. we would be remiss yes we would she said you're having on, you'll be sure to tell her hello from me and oh, how she said how much she loves you and respects you so we're passing that along what about her and her her uh, her place in the game Michaela
13: yeah, she was actually the first college coach to offer me a scholarship when hmm. um, she was coaching at CLU. Um, so we, we go back. way back, um, and I, every time I saw her as a Pac-12 announcer, I'd go and check in, uh, really respect her as a basketball mind and as a person. Um, and so, it yeah, every time I hear her name, uh, I think of her in CLU when I first met her, um, but... That's cool that you had her on the show today.
3: Yeah, that's cool. Hey, real quick, uh, we'll, I know this you're on for the for this uh, this uh, deal that we're talking about, but basketball in Spain, how did it go?
13: Yeah, as a whole, great learning opportunity. Um, definitely less frustrated with some parts, um, but I was exposed to a lot of different things that will uh, do well for me in the future. Um, I was there for about four months, um, and I just felt that, being at home and training at home with the resources I have would help me put my best foot forward come training camp in April May when that time comes. So I thought coming home was the best uh, move for me going forward, and um, thankful for that for that opportunity to show me um, things that I need to do better and things that um, I'd like uh, that I need to um, improve on. Uh, so thankful for it, um, but happy to be back home and, and training towards my, my next goal.
2: And I, I want to ask you a little bit about ball in Spain and what life was like there in a moment. But yeah. what are you preparing for next, Michaela? Your training, uh, the, your your status with the Atlanta Dream is what I mean. What's next for you?
13: Yes, yeah, so I have a training camp invite um, to make the try to make the roster of the Atlanta Dream um, either late April, early May, when that when that training camp is decided. It's not solidified yet um, in terms of when that, those dates are, but that's what I'm training for, what I'm working
2: towards, um, that's what I'm going for. What was life like? You said it was frustrating at times, but a good learning experience to play those 15 games over there. <laughs> what can you tell us? I mean, I mean, we've talked to some other players, your former teammates, former Beavers, who played uh, in Europe, in Siberia, and just tried to get a feel for what it's like to go so far away. It's basketball, you're familiar with that, but what about everything else? What was the experience like?
13: Yeah, I think um, each overseas team is so different, and so you can um, hear a lot of people's experiences, but each team is its own, is its own thing, so it's hard to Mm -hmm. um, gauge um, what overseas is going to be like based on one or two people's story, because once you get there, then you kind of figure out everything that's going on. But I was able to talk to Marie, able to talk to Sid um, about what's normal in their experiences and what's um, a good experience, and um, for me... I feel like I wasn't in a, the best supportive environment for me to be pushed every day to be my best um, in terms of people around me as well as um, didn't communicate uh, well with the head coach in terms of him not speaking any English so that was a, a struggle um, in terms of under- trying to understand him and what he needed um, and uh, me coming in um, I think to a, a, an environment that's different in Oregon State um, in terms of how team oriented it is um, so trying to figure out how to navigate um, people's per- like objectives as a pro is different because people aren't necessarily there to help the team win as a first objective so that was, a fir- uh, that was foreign to me um, and that I'll have to try to navigate going forward um, but great learning opportunity for me overall I was able to pick up some Spanish got to learn um, continue to develop my Spanish skills um, and then Got to cook a lot on my own. So we were uh, like semi quarantine where we had certain hours We allowed to go out, um, like go out to practice and then had to come back. Um, and then we had a 10 day stint where one of my teammates tested for, positive for COVID. Mm. So we were in our rooms doing like Zoom interviews or Zoom workouts. Um, but yeah, got to pick up some cooking hobbies. Um, but I, I learned a lot and, and thankful to be back home. But it was, it was a good experience for me. And to help
2: me grow, even though it was frustrating at times. Hmm. Michaela Pivick joining us on the Joe Beaver Show with Dominic Kuzumoto. We'll close here in a moment with, again, some reminders about Phase 2 of Selfless Servings, an initiative of Michaela's. Michaela, it's interesting to hear you talk. I wonder, is there enough is basketball enough of a universal language in itself <laughs> that you you understood what your coach was driving at? Or was that one of the hardest parts that the team concept that you're so used to, did you feel at times you had to go try to get your own if that's what everybody else was doing? Yeah, I think um, that's what I'll have
13: something to like, improve on. I think at times – um, especially overseas opportunities. I know like WNBA is probably different in terms of what the team needs, mm-hmm. but overseas I feel like um, I need to be a little more selfish at times um, because if I feel like I'm putting in a, a lot of work and, and I have the talent to help the team that way, I need to help the team as best I can with um, that role. Um, so that's something i gonna continue to adapt and grow in. But I think universe, uh, basketball isn't universal enough language in terms of you defend, stop them from scoring. Mm-hmm. Um and in, in the reads you do instinctively you don't necessarily need to um be able to communicate the same language. But I think it was more of when I came to him and tried to um understand what it needed to do better. Um, it wasn't like he wasn't able to communicate with me um enough to figure out what that that mm-hmm. missing link was.
2: Mm-hmm. Dominic you we all admired Michaela's entire career at Oregon State and uh, you know there's so many great players that have come through she mentioned a couple of former teammates and people that she knew well and and compared notes with about the experience in Europe but, Dominic, just give me a quick thought from you as a person that, that loves Oregon State athletics, what Michaela has meant to you and to be involved now, what an honor it must be for you and the others to be involved with selfless servings, just based on watching her and getting to know her in her time at Oregon State.
14: Well, well this could actually be emotional. Yeah. I, Michaela, I, I think I could speak for Barb, and, and I've actually heard this from, from a few others but Michaela is my all time favorite Beaver mm-hmm. student athlete. Um, and not just because of what she did on the court, but, but just because of who she is. We, we, Barb and I met Michaela early, early on um, in her career at Oregon State. And actually, the way we met her was I, I don't remember if it was before a game or after a game, it was on a weekend. And Michaela was out walking the campus. We were walking our dog Maggie. Um, Michaela was out with her dad collecting cans, and um, and, and and so you know we kind of gradually got got to know Michaela uh, through our relationship with with uh, Scott and and the team, and then uh, my my photographing women's basketball specifically. Um, and and one of my favorite memories—I don't know if Michaela will remember this—but it was a rainy baseball game at Goss Stadium a couple of years ago, a few years ago now. I think it was the 2017 season. I'm not 100% sure, but Barb, I think, had gone home to take care of Maggie, our dog, and I was keeping a scorebook, and and um, Michaela <laughs> sat with me, and uh, got <laughs> through a, a good good part of the game I think Barb had been there and and she she went home a little early but um we we just talked and and we 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 talked about life we talked about baseball and um and we talked about scoring I had a scorebook going at the time and um and, and uh you know I felt like I really got to know Michaela just just in that you know four five six innings whatever it was and and it was pouring rain, so um, yeah. she hung in there for that. Um, so I, I don't know if, if Michaela remembers that, but but Michaela just meant, you know, she just means so much to us, and and um, way 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 beyond her basketball prowess, and um, she, I mean, selfless serving is is a perfect description of who she is.
2: Yeah, and um, we'll so hey, well, congrats. Dominic, yeah, we'll close on that note only with the. The reminder, I think, John, you wrote down all of the numbers and the ways to get in touch. But Michaela yeah. will close. Dominic, Bill Kruger is just around the corner. The former Mariner and Mariner analyst, so we'll visit with him on a number of things. Yep. Dominic, thank you for taking time. Let's stay in touch, and we, if we can yep. help in any way, keep in touch, and we'll keep getting the word out about this. Thanks for joining us, Dominic. And before you go, Michaela, just a final thing. Uh, as we will be following you well and your opportunity in the Atlanta dream camp and look forward to seeing you make that team or whatever may be next in your basketball career. But do you still plan even, even though selfless servings is now in great hands, do you feel like you're always going to have some level involvement with it?
13: Yeah, I definitely, I want to be involved um, going forward. I definitely take a backseat in terms of what my involvement was this summer in mm-hmm. terms of helping coordinate deliveries and, and calling, all the restaurants um, and delivery drivers and scheduling that. Um, So now probably my role um, going forward will be um, staying in touch and and checking in as well as helping to spread the word about um, the the, uh, great work that um, Susan Wong and Dominic are, are spearheading.
2: Thank you so much, Michaela. It's always wonderful to hear your voice. Thanks for taking time for us. We'll be following you and really so grateful for what you're doing for the community through Selfless Servings. The best way, Dominic, right now, you gave a lot of information, but if people go to selflessservings.org, can that be a good starting point, Dominic?
14: That's a good start and a text just came in we got our first donation awesome Well,
2: great thanks you guys, guys
8: so
14: yeah much. Th- Thank you Michaela and anybody that knows me you can you can reach me via email or my phone number and and i i, I can help help move that along that way also
2: thanks, thanks guys Michaela Dominic thanks, thanks love you guys both. and thanks very much for joining us we appreciate it let's take a break bill kruger on deck now bill is also a man who a very interesting life, but the past co-president with his wife Joe of the Cure Autism Now Foundation. His daughter, Chanel, just graduated from Seattle University Law School and has dealt you know, with autism her entire life. So Bill and Joe Kruger have always been involved in that. And what a what a great story for uh, for Chanel to graduate from Seattle U, and that's coming up a lot today. It feels like a Linfield world when it was all Linfield all the time. Seattle <laughs> U today with Joan Bonvicini and Michaela's first scholarship that's offer. That's right. Bill Kruger. next on 1240 Joe Radio.
4: Locally owned and operated for over 30 years, Corvallis Floor Covering would like to thank their many friends and customers for your continued support and looks forward to working with you on your next remodeling project. Stop by and see Wendy, Robin, or Brian and check out their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, vinyl, laminate, tile, wood floorings, and window coverings from all the popular brands. Corvallis Floor Covering is at the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to corvallisfloorcovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis floor covering, and go Beeves!
12: Are you looking for a better place to do your banking? Join the official credit union of Oregon State University Athletics. Oregon State Credit Union is your community-based and locally operated financial institution. We're committed to building trust and taking ownership in all we do. Integrity and
5: confidentiality are the foundation of our business. Switch today to Oregon State Credit Union. We put integrity first. Drop by a branch. Call 800-732-0173 or sign up online at oregonstatecu.com federally insured by NCUA.
3: Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget, Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs Online at MiddletonHeating.net.
2: Trace comes inside, lays it in, it counts, he's fouled. Your Tax and Wealth Management coaches, Paul Witzke, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry are ready to put you in the game. Perhaps you're looking to save money for your kid's college, start your retirement, or need business coaching. Tax and Wealth Management has what you need to execute that game plan into a victory. With 40 years in business, Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis has the strategy you need for tax planning and saving for your financial future. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com or call 541-753-4188
0: to get in the game. Woodstock's Pizza on King's Boulevard in Corvallis really is pizza for all. Whether you're thinking meat mania, vegan victory, vegetarian virtuousness, or whatever you want to name your pizza, Woodstock's Pizza has it. They have over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free, and cheese choices that include vegan and dairy-free. Woodstock's Pizza on King's Boulevard in Corvallis really is pizza for all. Woodstock's
1: Pizza. On Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid Valley. Trump's has the area's largest selection of radio controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it, drive it, fly it. Trump Zombies in the Timberhill Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis bringing enjoyment to life.
2: The Joe Beaver Show continues. Our thanks to... Why are you going to ch- bust on our,
3: our guests coming
2: oh, up Oh, I'm here. not. And bust on them. I'm trying to get the exact <laughs> numbers because in preparing to visit with our next guest and our thanks already today to Joan Bonvicini and Michaela Pivick, Dominic Cusumano, We've had... A, it's been a star-studded day and the theme continues now,
3: in, with Bill Kruger about to join play us. In play-by-play when, when I'm... Six, seven, eight games in, and I'm talking about who's at the top of the the the, yeah, yeah. the batting average chart. If a guy's one for one, I'm not going to mention him. Oh, as the this guy's hitter.
2: hitting 1,000, and he's <laughs> amazing. No, I understand. However, in preparing for Bill, and there's a lot of things to talk to Bill Kruger about, and it's an honor to welcome to the show. One note: I think it was a Wikipedia note, so I assumed it was. Yeah, you know, we'll find out. But it's true; he just confirmed it. He was a pitcher in the major leagues, mm-hmm. but as a hitter, when the opportunities came, this guy six for fifteen, a four hundred batting average That's very as a good. hitter. Absolutely. So, Bill Krueger, we start with you as a hitter. Thanks for taking <laughs> time for us. Those must have been fun opportunities. Were you drawing back to your days with uh, the Portland Pilots, or I mean, how, how were you able to step into a major league box and hit four hundred?
12: Well,
15: thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank and you, Bill. It's, it's, it's a small sample set, I'll <laughs> say that, that's for sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say this. Um, you know, hit, hitting in the big leagues, of course, you know, that's the, that's the ultimate challenge. And, you know, and it's not as if I was sitting in the middle of the order. I mean, it was pretty much, you know, if you bonded well and you did your job and everything else was pretty much, you know, you're playing with house money, right? And so I kind of figured it out, at least at the beginning, that I was going to get one, maybe two, middle way fastballs to hit. And if I didn't act like a stupid relief pitcher in batting practice and try to hit everything in the upper deck and just <laughs> stay short to the ball, I got I got a reasonable chance here. Mm-hmm. I mean when I was sitting in the middle of the order for the pilots, now granted that's college pitching. A little different. You know, more off speed. So I guess that's uh you know, one you know way that I was able to uh, succeed. I suppose if I'd have kept going and hitting well they would have probably pitched me a little bit, <laughs> a little differently. <laughs> but uh but nonetheless, it was just an absolute thrill. If you ask any pitcher, his his memory of his pitching outings are a little blurred. But boy, he can remember everything about those those hitting opportunities, particularly if they were good.
2: Absolutely. And so. did, were any of the six, <laughs> Bill, were any did, did any of them come where you're driving in a run to help you win a game? I mean, was there anything quite uh, like that in those 15 abs?
15: Well, I was playing for the Padres in 1994. Uh, That's not a very good team. A lot of talent, not a very good team. You thing that was notable about the '94 Padres is that, had the strike not happened, Tony Gwynn, I think, well, yeah. I'm going to say he's gonna, he would have hit 400. Yeah, because I was watching the guy, and it was like, uh, it was savant-like.
8: Mm-hmm.
15: I mean, Tony was, uh, you know, pressing 400 in late August or mid August, and uh, he would sit on the bench, and he would tell you every single pitch in order mm. that the pitcher was going to throw when he's just sitting on the bench. I mean, it's just. It's like Carnackian. You know, he's got the card to his head, you know, <laughs> like Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Uh, that may be
2: a little older. Reference. No, I got it. I or got it. Audience. No, <laughs> I You're get it.
15: Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, um, not a great team. So not a lot of opportunities to, to help us win. But, uh, there were five goals, and uh, the first hit was a double in, uh, in Veterans, Old Veterans Stadium in Philadelphia. Hit a double over center fielder of what Dykstra said for a double. That was my first hit in the big leagues. Mm. So there was a little tiny bit of slugging in there. So yeah. no homers, but, uh, you know.
2: That's impressive. It was a thrill. Yeah. And Bill Kruger joining us, McMinnville High School, 1975, and then to the Bluff in the University of Portland on a hoop scholarship. We We visited recently about the memorable days with your former teammate in both basketball and baseball. When the Pilots came to town, Terry Porter bringing his team into Gill, and they w- they won the game, by the way, here earlier this year. But we we had Pat on to talk about the Jack days. You were a big part of that, a three-year captain playing with the likes of Darwin Cook, uh, Ray Ravio, Jose Slaughter. Case was part of it, and Jack Avina and, and Patches said Jack was crazy. He was unbelievable. What do, you, what do you remember about a memorable run, though, with a lot of success with those guys I just mentioned?
15: Well, thanks for asking about okay. that because uh, part of basketball means a lot to me despite our you know long um, stretch of time here where we, we haven't been very relevant. Uh, but you go back to the late 70s, and you're talking about a team that you know, I have to realize uh, – we didn't play as many games. We, uh, we averaged, I think, three years, we averaged 18 wins a season mm-hmm. and beat two teams that either were number one or went to number one very shortly. Uh, the great Oregon State team in seventy nine eighty 80 and we beat the University of San Francisco with Cartwright, Winford Boines and James Hardy, that group. And we had three guys um, uh, three guys drafted in the NBA. Of course, Darwin Cook played eight, uh, seven or six or seven years in the league. Yeah, the two, Jose Slaughter played a little bit and uh, Rick Ravio, drafted, broke his ankle and played forever in Europe. But, you know, to put that class of three NBA guys together in a little school like the University of Portland and if you look at the records uh, they're pretty amazing. No line and no clock and uh, I think it's four of the top seven scorers in school history um, without the extra games. Uh, it's pretty a pretty amazing period of time and Jack was the architect. Uh, He was uh, old school, very old school, uh, sometimes mean, uh, definitely challenging uh, to really help you realize what you were capable of doing. You know, it's none of the kid glove stuff you get today. Uh, This was um, a guy that really challenged people, and uh, he got the best out of us, and uh, it wasn't always fun. Uh, sometimes, as Pat said, kind of crazy. Uh, we used to do a thing called uh, the Germantown uh, Hill Run. that started at the University of Portland. And for your audience, they may know this group. But if you're in North Portland, you go down Willamette Boulevard, starting at the school. You cross the St. John's Bridge. Of course, we don't worry about traffic or anybody getting hit by a car. You know, just, you know, survival of the fittest, right? right. And then you get on Germantown Road, which is about a 2.1-mile run straight up for about five and a half yeah. miles. And we had to finish that, I believe, in 40 minutes to start practice. So we were running it two or three times a week in the fall. That's just for starters. It's not uh, talking about some of the more unique practices we had along the way. But that's how you go from a team that wasn't even in a league uh, to get in the WCAC at the time mm-hmm. and then to go from really really nothing to, to being a, a team that was recognizable on the West Coast as a Division One team to, to tough to deal with.
2: Bill Kruger, our guest, a four-year starter in hoops at Portland, a three-year captain, and you mentioned uh, Rick Ravio. Pat said when talking about Rick, and Pat's one of, as you know, one of the ultimate competitors of all time, but I think Kay said that Ravio topped them all. I mean, did you sense that, too, just playing with him, that Pat's right about Ravio?
15: Now, Pat, Pat, or i on the same page. Uh, you know, and, and Pat, look, at, look at the you know the long uh, history of of a great athlete, He's been in front of there at Oregon State as being you know the great, great architect of all those great wins there as a coach, and of course as a player, playing in, uh, in the minor leagues and, and playing in college. But Rick Ravio the mold was broken. Uh, this is a guy at barely six foot five uh, that led our league in rebounding at least once, and that's, this is a league at the time that had Bill Cartwright. And Kurt Rambis and Edgar Jones and Mark McNamara and Juwan Oldham and a bunch of star players on every team. And he led the league in rebounding. Okay. And he was more than just an inside player. He could play out front and he was unbelievable as far as his work ethic and his determination. There's just nobody that was going to beat him on any any day. Uh, nobody that competed as hard. Nobody as tough. Um, and uh, you know, he had one one time. This is I'll make this as quick as possible. But we were playing. Uh, we made a trip to Louisiana, and we played uh, a school, McNeese State. Uh, and uh, they had a guy named uh, David Lawrence. He was drafted by the Blazers. This is a long time ago. Um, about about six foot ten guy, big guy, and um, he was messing with Rick in the post, and he hit Rick with an elbow in the face. And Rick hit him one time. <laughs> One time, on the floor. You know, just not a guy to Rick right. was no, nobody to mess with. Still waters ran, ran deep with him. He was a great player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Darwin Cook gets the allocates, and he should. But when you look at the double-double machine and the efficiency of Rick Rabiot, uh he was a great college player. And I think there was a bit part for him to play in the NBA. because he'd have got on the roster, there's no way in heck they would have been able to get him off the roster. I'll tell you that much.
2: Bill, and thank you for sharing your thoughts about hoops, and I can tell how much it does mean to you, and the memories are vivid. But for you, what? so this baseball thing that came up, I mean, when you went to Portland, <laughs> basketball was the focal point, wasn't it? Tell us then how baseball began to kind of usurp that in your life.
15: Well, you're right. I mean, I was wholly dedicated to basketball. I mean, I was uh, determined to be a college player, and so I was doing everything in my power in Little McMindale to uh, – be the best player I could become. I'm mean, another J V player at about five foot nine as a sophomore and I went from that place to being able to uh, land a division one scholarship in University of Portland and start my freshman year in the backcourt. So uh, that's a lot a lot of ground to cover. I had a great coach, Nick Robertson, one of the great coaches in the history of the state of Oregon. Um, and he really believed in me. I mean he made me work. He made me the player that I became. Of course I had Tons of hours that I, you know, uh, breaking into Linfield College gym or the high school or, or whatever uh, hoop was standing that I could practice on. Uh, it was it was just my 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 whole existence basically. And I played baseball. It's not like I didn't, but it was more like you know we all grew up in seasons, right? So if it was baseball season, you, you played baseball. So I did that for fun. Um, but the uh, basketball ride that was my goal, and, and Nick really opened the door because I was a. Late blooming player in in high school, I really didn't catch my win until the second half of the senior year, and I I was like twenty five a game, and I just kind of just got missed, and uh, I was growing, and I I was you know uh, you know going from you know just to six foot to six two to six three, and eventually to to almost six five, and people just missed me, and so he basically made phone calls, Nick Robertson, to schools, Division one schools, because he felt like I could play there. The Idaho's and Montana's, the, the Portland, Portland State's and the like. And Portland was rebuilding, and they took a flyer, and they invited me up to the school to uh, more or less try out, which is, of course, illegal. They had a recruiting visit for players come, coming in, and they played. Mm-hmm. And I played with those recruiting players, and they scholarship me on the spot. Mm-hmm. So uh, a really, really good fortune, because I wasn't exactly getting recruited by big schools. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the only big school that was uh, recruiting me, if you want to call it that.
2: Yeah.
3: But then baseball, though. Yeah. How do you go from from a four-year starter in basketball to eventually making it to the majors?
2: Well,
15: um, it kind of started with uh, (laughs) my mom was a huge baseball fan. She grew up in downstate Illinois and listened to Harry Carey on the radio in Cardinal games and her dad. And and she just, uh, you know, was kind of the pushing pushing force. I mean, she was a pushing force in my life, but... Um, She really thought I should be playing baseball. So it was a never-ending conversation every time I came home about why I wasn't playing baseball. And I reminded her that I was on ride and I wasn't going to play baseball. And so this went on and on and on. And she eventually said, uh, well, maybe you shouldn't bother coming home anymore. You're not going to play baseball. Wow. Mom liked baseball. (laughs) And I was, uh, you know, desperate enough to think that that was uh, not a good plan for me. And she wasn't laughing. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, the empty stomach and the pile of laundry had that, that, uh, <laughs> tough, tough, tough choices for me. So I, uh, um, so after my sophomore year of basketball, I came out for baseball. And uh, Joe Watson was a coach, a great, um, you know, legendary coach mm-hmm. there. And, you know, it was a different atmosphere. And Jack was a browbeater beater and a character assassinator and getting the most out of you. And Joe was just, I showed up and he was like, you're, you're, you're going you're to do well. He goes, I mean, this is really early on. He goes, I think you can be a pro. Hmm. I mean, it's like when people believe in you, mm-hmm. things happen, right? And he believed in me, much like Nick Robertson. Mm-hmm. And I played first base. I never pitched. He wanted me to pitch, but I couldn't because I couldn't train. And we had a ton of pitching. You know, we had like four or five of my last year when we set the career record for wins at University of Portland. I mean, we had Ken Daly, who was the number three pitcher in the country, number three draft in the country and number one pitcher, and we had three other guys that could pitch. And of course Pat was on that team and he was an all world left fielder and mm-hmm. you know, we were really good. Uh we didn't get we got to the tournament uh, my junior year, my senior year, we, we should have, we we didn't. Um but I just played first and I was happy playing first base and uh you know <laughs> It's just funny how things work out. I, right toward the end of that season, my senior season, Scott started to look at me because I started to hit a little bit with power because I never trained. I never trained, and I just showed up. I just showed up and started playing right when basketball got over. And uh, Scotts were going to come in and look at me from Toronto up at Eastern Washington, and we go to this alumni house for, uh, for a dinner in Spokane. So we're there, and we're waiting to eat, and so we go out in the backyard with a bunch of us, and there's a hoop back there, and we're messing around. And there was a curb, a cement curb underneath the basket. And my, my uh, foot turned over the cement curb, and I basically tore ligaments in my ankle. I didn't play the whole weekend. So that one went out the door, hmm. and uh, it was a parade of tryouts, phone mm-hmm. calls and tryouts that, you know, Jill Edsel uh, helped orchestrate, and my own efforts basically got me, which was my final ditch, last ditch effort. I mean, I literally... Went to that we used to have a tryout at Civic Stadium every year. They Pittsburgh was the you know, AAA. They were the, the affiliate for the AAA team there, if you recall. And they had open tryout. You know, you could go there and anybody could show up. And they're looking for a diamond in the rough, right? They're looking for, you know, Sid Finch that comes in and throws ninety-eight with his work boots on, or <laughs> some guy runs 4 three. You know, I mean, they're just looking for something that mm-hmm. just, just just pops out of nowhere, right? And so I went through a couple weeks of that, and they brought the West Coast scouting to look at a couple of us, and I was lucky. Like, and uh, they worked me out. Of course, I was still recovering from my, my ankle. But he had me hit, and he had me pitch. And uh, he had kind of an interesting, kind of a drawly voice. He goes, Sir, I've, I've seen many, many players in my 25 years as a scout in the big leagues. And uh, my advice to you is that you should use your education. He goes, I've only made one mistake, and that was advanced Law. He goes, you can't hit 25 homers in the big leagues, and you don't throw hard enough. Mm-hmm.
8: Mm-hmm.
15: So uh, I had a couple other independent league tryouts. Um one scout came in and worked me out for Kansas City, and I was just dead in the water. Mm-hmm. I stood, the draft was over, and it was two weeks after the draft, and, and my, my hopes were dwindling. So I went fishing. <laughs> went out fishing on the chutes for a week, and that's no cell phone time, right? Mm-hmm. Get back, and my mom says, Yeah, there's a phone call for you from uh, some guy in Medford, <laughs> Doug Emmons in Medford. He's the general manager. Better call him. Okay, call him. He goes, Yeah, I'm Doug Emmons, and. Uh, we've been told that you can pitch. And I tried to keep my face
8: straight. And I said, Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I can pitch."
15: He goes, well, we'd like to have you drive out to Ben and throw for our, our coaches.
8: Mm-hmm.
15: Got in the car, drove to Ben, met the team, threw on the side. And, uh, about four or five days later, they signed me. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, this was the worst team in professional baseball that year. Uh, Charlie Finley was not uh, investing in the team. He was getting ready to sell it to right. the right. Levi Strauss family. So mm-hmm. he didn't sign any draft picks. He just, it was, it was the bad news bears. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so they, they were taking on all comers. So uh, even as I joined the team, I'm thinking, well, this isn't going to last long. You're going to let me hit and play first, which they did a little bit. But that was the beginning. Yeah. And uh, I had. Some natural talent, and I applied myself. And two years later, I was in the big leagues. So, uh, you know, uh, nobody can quite figure it out. You know, growing up and seeing me on my bike with my basketball or any of the guys that I honestly played with as I went up, they all were pretty astonished that it happened. Hmm. And I was pretty astonished, too. But, uh, you know, I I had a second crack at really uh, having a chance to do something really big. And I kind of felt that way with basketball. That deep down, I I wanted to be a, a great player. And this was a second chance. And I think that I took the pressure off myself a little bit. I allowed myself to let it rip, as I said to myself. And I think that was also helped me. And, uh, you know, I got to play for a long time.
2: Thir- parts of 13 different seasons in the major leagues. Bill, we're out of time today. There's so much more in your story that we. I hope we can get to down the road. Part of um, and the the biggest thing here is I'm glad your mom loved you again. I mean, it sounds like maybe that that worked out right. <laughs> it, it did.
15: It did, Mike.
2: Yeah, yeah, she was such a huge fan. Yeah, I mean, she just uh, she came to games,
15: scorecard, hot
2: dog, headphones. That's awesome. That's great. Hey, Bill, we're out of time. I I had meant to ask you about the brief time you had in the Dodgers organization. And Tommy, maybe we can do it again sometime down the road as we ramp up to another season in the big leagues. But it has been a real pleasure for us to learn some of your story, how it intersects with people we've heard of all of our lives and Nick. And of course, we've admired Pat Casey. So I hope we can do this down the road and kind of finish the story if that's okay with you.
15: I'd love to join you again, Mike. Sorry I got a little long wind. Oh, too hard to tell any other
2: way. Uh, great stories, Bill. Thanks for sharing them with us. We'll talk again soon, I hope. All
15: right, Mike. Have a great day.
2: Thanks a lot, Bill. Bill Kruger, our guest. Let's wrap up the week with this time out on 1240 Joe Radio.
5: Hi, this is Mike at Anderson Jewelers reminding you the gold and silver market is still strong, so I'm still buying old gold jewelry and watches. Right now I'm paying cash for 10, 14, and 18-karat gold jewelry, sterling silver, antique and estate jewelry, and of
1: course Rolex and Omega wristwatches. Anderson Jewelers is a licensed and certified business buying old gold and silver in the city of Corvallis for 25 years. Need some extra cash? Stop by and see Mike today. Anderson Jewelers near the corner of 5th and Madison, downtown Corvallis.
2: Trace comes inside, lays it in, it counts, his fouled. Your Tax and Wealth Management coaches, Paul Witzke, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry are ready to put you in the game. Perhaps you're looking to save money for your kid's college, start your retirement, or need business coaching. Tax and Wealth Management has what you need to execute that game plan into a victory. With 40 years in business, Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis has the strategy you need for tax planning and saving for your financial future. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com or call 541-753-4188. Five to get in the game. Hey, Beaver Nation. This is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barber's. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis. The Barber's, where I go and guys go for great cuts.
9: Donna Bella Fine Lingerie is meeting the challenge of this new normal in their own Donna Bella way. With professionally fitted bras that are comfortable enough to fit your new work from home lifestyle, yet stylish enough to make sure you feel pretty, even if you're wearing sweats again. So come on in with your face mask, of course, and see all that's new. Donna Bella Fine Lingerie and Comfort Wear, open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 until 5. At the north end of 2nd Street, down RV dealer,
5: Embar- have you tried to sell your RV? Was the offer from the RV dealer embarrassingly low? Guarantee's Cash for Campers program will beat any offer for your RV, or we'll give you $500. This is Shannon Nil with Gary RV Supercenters in Junction City. Now's a great time to sell or consign your travel trailer, fifth wheel, or motorhome so you can upgrade to a newer model that better fits your lifestyle. We've bought hundreds of RVs for cash and you can be next. <laughs> Safe vacations and escapes are now more important than ever. So make sure your RV is ready to maximize your fun and enjoyment. It starts by selling your current RV and we'll give you $500 if Gary can't beat any other Oregon dealers written offer on your late model RV in good condition. We'll even pay off your existing loan in a hassle-free transaction when we buy your RV. Visit Guarantee.com to learn more about Cash for Campers. We don't just sell We guarantee it. Offer not available to commercial parties. Subject to change without notice. See dealer for details. Learn more at guarantee.com.
6: Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing, member SIPC go beeves
2: all right go beeves. you know I this is a this has been a fun day today John the, yeah. the guests were yeah. were outstanding and really enjoyed visiting with with all four Joan Bonvicini, Michaela Pivic, Dominic Cusumano, and Bill Krueger. yeah there's so much left on uns- I mean we just got to Bill they were all great. making baseball driving over to Bend. <laughs> To pitch, yeah, to some Medford. I mean, it, it's a great Northwest story. I loved hearing about Nick Robertson did making it, calls. Let me for see him. if I can get the Joe Wetzel,
3: who made the call. Then he goes from the guy in the draw saying you're not going to make it at the Pirate tryout.
2: Depend out, yeah. To you getting a call reg- from
3: Medford, did that guy then say, "Well, maybe"? How, well, did, how did Medford know about? in being able to pitch.
2: It's interesting that the guy with the drawl said you son you I've been doing this for 25 years yeah. you better fall back on your education. Yeah, you can't yeah. hit and you can't pitch. And he ends up hitting 400, yeah, as, as 13, a pitcher, yeah, and 13 seasons in the major no, leagues. No,
3: he, he was wrong. That guy was wrong. But yeah. how did Medford know? I hear you're a pitcher. Well,
2: probably a Joe Etzel type call okay. or something. It's
3: a small enough world. Well, I was thinking maybe that guy reconsidered after he told no, him. No, I
2: don't think it was that guy. It was a different organization, and okay. so Medford was an Oakland A's affiliate. So somehow Oakland, <laughs> and he, you know, Bill, when we've talked before, and why I hope we can finish the story with him. He talked about Tony LaRussa and La Sorda and uh-huh, the managers uh-huh. he's played for, and how they they motivated him in different ways, and both Tony and Tommy, in a sense, by having that same attitude as the drawler scout at Civic Stadium. Almost like and Bill just kept persevering beyond what people said he could and couldn't do. Yeah. The best part of the story to me, she wasn't laughing. She wasn't joking. <laughs> I mean, if you don't play baseball, you Mom know. Mom was so into you, you baseball. You can't don't come home on the weekend with your laundry and expect meals or
8: whatever. My, my <laughs> dad
3: used to joke, and I used to joke too, with at our ball games, like when my son would play. I would, you know, how people are cheering. Good, good job, Sammy. Good job. You know, my son and I have such a rapport and and sense of humor. I would say, all right, nice job, Maddie. You get to eat dinner tonight. <laughs> And the more liberal ones would the look at me like, you. You're,
2: you're going to you. deny. Yeah, we deny our kids. Their meals are based on performance. Or if I they would, perform yeah, exactly. well, they eat. If they don't, they don't.
3: I would also give financial incentive. Maddie, I'll give you five bucks if you score a goal. And the looks. from, Oh, oh. We are... That,
2: on that note, thanks for joining us all week long. We'll try it again come Monday. It'll be all Actually, right. Actually, Tuesday. We'll take Monday oh, Tuesday, off. Tuesday, Monday off. MLK
5: Day. C Have a great MLK weekend. Please. Here's
12: the microphone. Is this thing
5: on. This is K E J O Corvallis. Everybody hear me. We're on in five and Q I D. Twelve
12: forty, Joe Radio.